Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Love him or hate him. Is D'Angelo Russell the Lakers X Factor? That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked on Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcasts. It's always free, never behind a paywall. And Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go hang out with over 22,000 subscribers to the channel, um, all of whom are wondering whether or not the Lakers can uh, maybe put together a three or a four game winning streak based on the upcoming schedule. Brooklyn. Uh, followed by Portland, Andy. Those are very winnable games, especially on your home floor. Um, so uh, plenty to get into there. We'll talk a little bit about the schedule. We'll talk about the rotation, kind of carrying through some of the conversation that we had for Thursday's show uh, following the big win against Dallas on Wednesday. But I do want to let you know first that uh, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Uh, we did not get to it, Andy, but D'Angelo Russell led uh, the Lakers in scoring on Wednesday night. He had 29 points. He was uh, excellent throughout the game and not just as a scorer, but also as a, as a distributor and it, it's built, you know, it was really probably the, I guess the best game in what has been a good run of recent play that looks a little bit more like what he was doing at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I, I tweeted out during the game at cam brothers, the trend carrying over from last season, post trade deadline, D'Angelo Russell is the X factor. Assuming LeBron and AD are having solid games if D'Lo is on, the Lakers typically look quite dangerous. And what I've really started, I think, sort of just recognizing more and more in terms of seeing D'Lo's time, his second go around with the Lakers with this roster, no matter who you think the Lakers' third best player is behind LeBron or AD, I think the consensus is probably Austin Reeves, but to some degree, I don't care what your answer is. I don't think there's anybody that can swing this team in a more dangerous direction, like has the capability of making the Lakers look like a team that can overwhelm you, if nothing else, offensively than D'Lo. The, the difference between Russell and Reeves, to me, is that Russell is much more likely to be that third person, fourth person, whatever it is on a roster. And I agree with you. It doesn't really matter because the gap between the two of them isn't that significant. And on any given night, it, it the other one might be better. You know, it, it doesn't matter if you're ranking them. But the one thing I think that D'Lo is absolutely more likely to do than Reeves is pop off for 32, mm -hmm. you know, or something like that. Like the, that big offensive explosion where they go on kind of a, a heater is more of a D'Lo thing than it is a Reeves thing. Um, you know, more complete play, better rebound, whatever it is. There's a lot of stuff that Reeves brings to the table that, that, that Russell might not. But this one aspect, this sort of high-end scoring capability is something that Russell does 
more than Reeves, in part because, especially this year, he's a better three-point shooter. Like the, the, the outside shot has been better for Russell overall throughout the year than it has been for Reeves. And I think that makes a big difference in terms of piling up points. Yeah, piling up points, but also he is more capable of helping other people pile up points. And as well. that, that's like, something else, too. I, yeah. I, that's really what I meant, too, when I said, like, offensively, at least, he is the guy that makes the team looks look most dangerous when he is on because Austin Reeves does certain things well as a playmaker, but D'Angelo Russell is a better overall playmaker than Reeves, and I don't think it's that close. Like, that's one area where the difference between them, I think, actually is pretty stark. D'Lo is a much more complete, controlled, and I think in a lot of ways just assured playmaker than Reeves in. For lack of a better way of putting it, there are fewer times where D'Lo seems to be making it up as he goes as a playmaker than Reeves does. And sometimes it works for Reeves. And I, I do think there's a method to the madness but he is also likely at times to get himself in some trouble. Like there's more of a risk reward variance. And even if you think Reeves is a more overall consistent player, which I think the case could be made. Um, I think when it comes to consistency as a playmaker, Delo's more consistent because he's just better at it. It's not a Austin. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's a better point guard than Austin Reeves. You know, in the same way that Anthony Davis is a better center than both of them. It's like, you know, if you're trying to, you know, compare what they do well, the skill set, just watch the, the way the offense runs when D'Lo is operating it as the primary initiator of the offense, particularly with the starting unit, is because, you know, when, when with the second units and stuff like that, Reeves is operating as much as, the, as a primary or secondary scorer, depending on who he's sharing the floor with. But with that starting unit, you know, Russell is a scorer, but he's also a point guard. And, you know, the pace of the offense, particularly in the last couple games, has been significantly better um, because I would say, honestly, kind of since the benching and then coming back from it, because um, he had some good games coming off the bench too. Some of that swagger, so the, the mojo, the pace, the confidence, whatever word you want to use for it, we did a show about it um, with D'Lo, you know, a few weeks ago. That stuff that he was doing and, and the confidence and the swagger and, and all that that he was displaying in that first month of the season where the offense, where he was running the offense in a very effective way and was playing very well, that has returned. And he's one of those guys where you can see it. If it's there in any given night, you know it's there. And it just means he's doing everything a half step faster. The offense is operating with just a much better pace and all that stuff. Um, and Reeves can't do that when he's the primary guy. It just doesn't work the same way. The thing that often gets harped on rightly with D'Lo is the defense. And you know, mm -hmm. particularly when you're teaming up he and Reeves, but D'Lo is somebody who's, you know, really over the years attracted a lot of negative attention for his defense. And it's something that he has called himself out on in terms of needing to be better. I, I think opinions vary certainly among fans, as to how much he's put his money where his mouth is. But, like, there was a sequence in the win against Dallas where D'Lo helped Vando trap Luka at the top of the arc, and Luka ended up having to get rid of the ball because he couldn't get past them. And D'Lo got back really, really quickly to challenge Tim Hardaway Jr. 
into a missed jumper. And like stuff like that that you see from D'Lo, if he does enough of those things, or like as you often talk about, the ability because he sees the floor well as a point guard, which means he sees what the other team is doing well too, he he can read some of what's happening before and anticipate and hopefully get in the way with either steals or deflections or just general anticipation. If he puts enough commitment to those things, he can be defensively sound enough to where he may still have to be covered for in certain respects, but and he's sometimes not, could be played off the floor. Then that that could happen. But he, but he's not hurting you in ways that feels like it's he's hurting you more than what you get offensively. Like I think the last few games since he's come back and entered that starting lineup, his defense has actually been more than acceptable for this team. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a direct correlation between his confidence on offense and his engagement on defense. Um, I, I think those two things are directly related. They shouldn't be, but they are. And you know, you I think you hit it well. Like Delo is an engagement defender because he doesn't have the raw athletic skill at the NBA level and and all that stuff to be a you know Jared Vanderbilt lockdown defender in somebody in, in, in front of somebody. He's not gonna get off the floor to block shots. He's not gonna his reaction times when somebody changes direction to try to contest it, they're not as good. He has to be deeply engaged to move a, a quarter second faster and be somewhere a quarter second earlier, whatever it might be, to to make up for some of those things. Um we we want to talk more about the uh, the rotation. We got some interesting comments on the YouTube channel about what happens with the rotation. You know, it has has Darwin kind of settled on something that works? What happens when Cam Reddish comes back? Is this the best mix of guys that he can put out there? So we'll get all to all of that next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by eBay Motors, and our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On fantasy basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long with your prepping for a daily draft scouting the waiver wire every week we're going to help you get players guaranteed to fit your roster so let's see who's Josh has picked out on this week's eBay guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week Gigi Jackson from the Memphis Grizzlies uh, they need shot creation since basically the entire roster is injured Gigi can do that he has shown flashes and he should be Someone that managers look to grab now that Memphis is actually using him, plus his recent TNT postgame interview where he looked like a little kid talking with Shaq. So excited you should draft him for that alone. Josh Lloyd from Locked on Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And same thing with your vehicle. There is nothing worse than having your vehicle break down in real time. True story. I once had to pull over because a car that I was on the way to trade in because I didn't trust it. The engine caught on fire, which just really made me think, man, I wish I had known about eBay Motors back then because I wouldn't have suffered through something like that. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. They have brake kits, they have LED headlights, or for somebody like me who waits too long to do anything about your car, they have fire extinguishers. Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Um, okay, so uh, the Lakers seem to have settled on, Darvin seems to have settled on, in the absence of Cam Reddish, <clears throat> and obviously Gabe Vincent's still out, you have the starting five, and uh, there is some debate over whether or not it should be Torian Prince or Jared Vanderbilt. I'm okay with Torian, um, but what, you know, and we might have a, a minute uh, or two to talk about this um, as we go along here. Uh, I, I want to see if those minutes start to come down to that sort of 20 to 25 ish 25 ish level that he has been at for most of his career um now that vanderbilt and Rui are both healthy i think that's something to really pay attention to but you have your starting five and then off the bench primary subs seem to be Rui and um vanderbilt and then your eighth and ninth guys are christian wood and max christie you pointed this out on twitter today you're having a conversation about this with someone uh, it is very difficult to play 10 guys and get 10 guys meaningful minutes. Is this, do you think, the the group that he's settled on? Are we done with Jackson Hayes for a little while? We're not going to see, you know, Jalen Hood, Shafino, <laughs> you know, it, it, but both in the in the people and the, the minutes ratios. Do you think we're kind of getting to what it's going to look like? Well, I mean, we'll definitely see more evidence one way or the other tonight when the Lakers play the Nets at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, entering a relatively soft spot in the schedule. schedule. They need to capitalize, catch every Lakers game on the hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Search Lakers. I get the feeling that's going to be the case. Um, you know, LeBron talked after the Dallas win about how it felt like everyone's playing really well right now because Darvin has a feel for who he wants to be playing and who's going to be out there. And it just allows guys to get more in sync with everybody else. I think really where we will know most immediately would be Cam Reddish, like his potential return. And then just, you know, whenever Gabe Vincent comes back, I mean, I, unless it takes too long really for Vincent to return and, and try to work him in, I, I suspect that they will try to. But the immediate question right now is with Reddish. And, you know, we I saw some comments in the YouTube section from Thursday's show. Sucks, I guess, to some degree for him, you know, the idea that you get injured and you lose your spot. But if I'm Darvin, I wouldn't mess with yeah. what's working right let me, now. Let me read one. All. Let me read one of those, actually. This comes from third floor. Cam can at third floor uh, again on the YouTube channel, as Andy mentioned. Cam can still play, but he and Vando should never be on the court at the same time. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Cam got way too much playing time, and, uh, and he really held it down until Vando got healthy. Ham overplayed him, and that's not his fault. Basically, what he's contending is Cam's played well and should still play. But I don't think that necessarily matters. It's not a question of fairness or, you know, it's not, a, it's not to me at least, a referendum on whether or not Reddish has really played well or not over the course of the year, and it's a different debate. I don't think one necessarily has anything to do with the other. It's a numbers game. It would be difficult to put Reddish back in the rotation, I think, without taking somebody else out, like realistically – you know, the, the comment that you spotlighted talked about how you can't play Reddish and Vando on the floor at the same time. Well, if that's the case, then that means you have to put Vando back in the starting lineup because you can't have them as reserves together, Vando and Reddish. Like, you have to start doing other things. I think it would then just become a question between 
Cam Reddish and Max Christie um, because Christian Wood has his own specific role on this team. He's Anthony Davis's backup, and nobody else, unless you're going really small with Rui or LeBron at center, nobody else really replicates that. So it becomes a question between Reddish and Christie, and if I have to choose between the two, I would play Christie for a few reasons. First of all, I just think he's a little bit more under control than Reddish. But also, if there's not a massive difference between them, and, and I don't think the difference is massive, even if my preference is Christie, I would err on the side of the guy that may be part of your future moving forward that could end up meaning something for the team. Yeah, I think too. I mean, to your point about whether or not, you know, how big is the gap between Christie and 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 Reddish and all that. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's 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 a big enough gap between the two of them. And I would also play Christie and not Reddish. And Reddish is gonna play. Guys are gonna get hurt. You know, he'll have sure. you know, this guy's in out of lineup. He's gonna find days that were games where he'll he'll play a little bit. Um, but the the biggest difference between Reddish and Christie is that you have to make fewer concessions to Max's presence on the floor in terms of how you configure the other guys. And, you know, I, I've talked a lot about, and I, I really think it's important to consider these, particularly with role players and, you know, the second units and all these, these are like ecosystems. And when you put one guy in or take another guy out, it impacts everything else. You know, Cam Reddish has a different impact on, how Hachimura plays and what you can do offensively, which guards and all that kind of stuff, and what what sets you can run and all that sort of stuff in ways that um, that uh, Christie doesn't, and maybe that's worth it because his defense is that much better. And I, think, I I don't think it is, and I think his offense is way worse. I mean, he as much as we talk about Jared Vanderbilt being a negative offensively, Cam is worse, um, and so and then the other thing about it is if Vanderbilt is healthy and tell me if you disagree to me, it seems like most of the things that you would like reddish for most of them can be done by Jared Vanderbilt. Um, or at least enough of them can be done by Jared Vanderbilt. So I just don't see the need to force reddish back into the lineup. I mean, he's just another guy that you have to really figure out very specific ways to make him successful that I just don't think are worth it where I think they are more worth it for Vanderbilt. Yeah. I mean, like I said before, I don't even consider it a question between Vanderbilt and Reddish. Like Vanderbilt is a better player to begin with, like just period, especially we're seeing that now that he's back to being healthy and he's got his mobility and that energy and the activity. Well, he's just, he's just a better player than Reddish to begin with. And it's more in terms of, I think, the way it would be affected in the rotation position-wise. It's between Reddish and Christie. And I just, again, I feel like Christie plays, there are certain elements of Reddish's chaos that occasionally can be useful. And he's a little bit bigger than Christie. But I, I think Christie, who it should be noted, I think, he shows flashes, but he's something of an offensively limited player himself. And I think he has more of a reputation as a shooter than what he actually does. On he's the court. good at a certain type. He's been successful at a certain type of thing in terms of spot up shooting and stuff like that. But there are other things that he's quite bad at. Right. Um, so, I mean, to me, it's 
in certain respects, the offensive part of it between Christie and Reddish is, I think, kind of a wash. I, I maybe would give the edge to Christie, but it's not that big. I think it's more of the control thing. And again, I would just err towards if it's close to a tie, the guy that may be actually be part of your future moving forward. So you might as well just keep getting him reps. Yeah, either way. Um, all right, let's take a look at the schedule going forward because this is an important stretch for the Lakers. It does send them back out on the road. This home stretch for January games hasn't quite gone as the, as everybody would hope, but there are opportunities going forward. We'll look at the uh, look. We'll look at all of that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by PrizePix, the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you just pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in up to 25 times your money and now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league created specifically for projections with two or more players from different sports or leagues for example lebron james travis kelsey go 10 and a half combo of three pointers made plus receptions and with the prize picks reboot policy your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for nfl games nba games if you have a player who exits the game in the first half doesn't return in the second that player is rebooted prize picks is the only Daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use that code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Again, prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Prizepicks daily fantasy sports made easy. Locked on Lakers also brought to you by Logix. You know, on this show, you get a lot of in depth analysis and hot takes, right? Well, uh, let me give you my hottest take of the day. The best lineup in LA and the surrounding areas right now is the lineup of auto loans at Logix. Uh, they start off with at the top with my favorites, the proven and dependable new and used vehicle loans. You can count on these guys to give you low rates and save you big time bucks. Next up, they've got an exciting new rookie sensation in their electric vehicle loans with super low rates and flexible payment terms and rounding out their lineup. They've got their auto refinancing loans and lease buyout loans. With these guys, you could lower your monthly payments and get on the road to owning your car faster. I know it's a hot take, but seriously, no one can beat the lineup at Logix. So visit your local Logix branch right here in LA and the surrounding areas and let one of their amazing team members help you or just apply online in minutes at logixbanking.com forward slash car. That's L-O-G-I-X banking.com forward slash car. All right. I uh, mentioned that the uh, the schedule um, and some critical games coming up for the Lakers after this long stretch of games uh, against good teams. It starts tonight at home, 7.30 tip against the Brooklyn Nets. Um, that's at the Crypt. You can catch uh, every minute of Lakers broadcasts with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Search Lakers. Um you got the uh, the the Nets on Friday and the Blazers on Sunday, Andy. We've talked about this a few times. When weak teams, particularly teams like Portland, come to town, you have to win those games. All the progress you've made, beating the Clippers, beating the Thunder, beating the Mavericks, and kind of turning things back around, getting back to 500, you undercut that in a massive way if you give away games against teams like Brooklyn or Portland. Well, I mean, take it a step further. Uh, just mentioned Brooklyn and Portland. From there, uh, you've got th the following Thursday against the Bulls. I guess you could call it the Trade Showcase Bowl. 
and then the following Saturday at Golden State. Then you've got Monday, Houston, Tuesday, Atlanta, with the exception of a few days from now um, when they play the Clippers, which even then the Lakers have beaten them twice. You're now entering a slate of really winnable games. And like the roughest part of the January schedule in terms of opponents, you know, it was home heavy, but opponents, that's now over. And Mm -hmm. the Lakers unfortunately didn't make the most of it, but they're at least moving in the right direction right now. This begins just a critical push for the remainder of this month or just remaining stuck in neutral. And like it could end up informing the moves that they make or don't make at the deadline. You know, we opened the show talking about D'Lo. D'Lo is going to remain in these trade rumors between now and February 8th. And how well he plays could determine whether they keep him because they think he's good enough and they, they just want to remain with continuity. It could mean whether they move him. It could mean not moving him because they feel like he doesn't have enough value and what we need right now with everything else, it's not worth attaching the sweeteners to him. Like there's all sorts of ramifications, I think, from these next couple of weeks in January. Yeah, I mean, look, the Lakers play 10 games pretty now on February 8th. They, they actually play uh, at home against Denver. It's a TNT game on the 8th, you know, trade deadline day. Um, there are 10 games in between there and only three of them, the Clippers, Boston and New York, Boston and, and uh, New York being road games are are things that you would consider against high level teams. You know, Golden State, they're you know, you went through it. Houston is really kind of, you know, starting to fade. And and so yeah, this is an opportunity for the Lakers to to make some progress and get themselves at the very least away from that bottom line or, you know, into the home half of the play-in and get themselves back closer to the top 6. I think the Delo question is really interesting because you know, we opened with him and we talked about the kind of game that he uh, played on Wednesday, the level that he's starting to to reach again as a player, which looks much more like at the beginning of the season when he was genuinely one of the best players on the team, not named Anthony Davis or uh, LeBron James, arguably the best player, not named one of those two things. Um, he he was. I, I, yeah. I'm not going to make any argument for anyone else. It was D'Lo. So if that's the case, I think what it's showing is, yeah, can you trade D'Angelo Russell? Sure. Should you? Maybe. I guess I mean, you definitely yeah, can. He's been traded by every team he's ever played for. Right. And I, I did see a few things floated where, uh, you know, including trades that would send D'Lo back to Brooklyn as part of like a Dorian Finney-Smith <laughs> kind of deal, which I support um, regardless of who they get back, only because it keeps alive the idea that uh, D'Lo could be traded by all of these teams again in exactly the same order, which it's one thing to be traded by the same team twice. It's another thing to go through the league in order and be traded by this. Like that would be, just keeping that alive for one more franchise makes it worth it to me. Um, but the, the the thing about it is, what is really obvious at this point is the notion that you could just trade D'Lo and automatically get better is thrown out the window. You know, is DeJounte Murray a better player than D'Angelo Russell? Probably. I'll, I'll grant it for you. You know, I mean, if you follow Hawks blogs and stuff like that, there are people who say his defense this year has slipped. There's an overall package. Yeah, he's probably a better player than D'Lo. Is he way better than D'Lo? I don't think so. I don't know if he's way better than D'Lo. I don't think it's an obvious upgrade 
in every way. And I will say this, if you're, you have to bring back, if you're going to trade Russell, somebody who can operate the offense in, in a similar way, it, you have to bring back ball handling and facilitating in one form or another, or the offense, any improvements you make are going to be out the window because you don't have enough dudes to handle and pass the ball. Well, here's also a, uh, an additional question when it comes to Murray specifically, who, for what it's worth, I like as a player. And yeah. I can see, you know, the Lakers have been linked enough to him that I think the interest is real. And oh, yeah. you know, multiple more reports out on Thursday that, you know, these, yeah. these talks were pretty high level and only have fallen apart as Atlanta has insisted on Austin Reeves. Right. And, you know, they're going to be seeing uh, the Hawks in about 10 days, something like that. So, I mean, I, I, I get a lot of it and he is a good player. And I think the general consensus would be that DeJounte Murray is a better player than D'Lo. And if that's the consensus, fine. But what I do think is an additional question that isn't as obvious is even if he's a better player, is he a better fit? Because there's certain things D'Lo does in terms of off-ball utility, especially as an outside shooter, that Murray is not as good. I mean, he just isn't. He is nowhere near as good of an outside shooter, much less the spot-up outside shooter, you know, at volume over several seasons that D'Lo has been. Like, it's not even close. And he, I guess he could be a better more dynamic player overall. And if you say talent ultimately wins out, that's an argument that I could understand, but you also have to, you have to figure out that fit really quick. It's part of the reason why I feel like somebody like DeMar DeRozan might just be simpler. Cause I mean, he's a, he's a, he's not the three point threat. You lose some of the spacing, but in terms of, he's a very underrated ball mover, uh, he's a very un, you know, and that kind of thing. I, I but he's not a dominant ball dominator in the same kind of way. Like I just, I feel like importing point guards. It's one thing when you're replacing Russell Westbrook, who's just a, a colossal bad fit. You're almost willing to try anything. Like almost anything they could have done last year was going to be an upgrade over what they had. Not because Westbrook is a trash player, but just because the fit was terrible. Like to your point. And also, like that whole thing had clearly run its course. Like that needed to change. Um, this year, the oh, it's an automatic upgrade isn't nearly as clear. And so, you know, would a guy like Caruso change the dynamic? In certain ways, defensively, he would. But as a point guard, you you'd have to figure out some stuff offensively to figure out how you're going to move the ball, facilitate, and something. Is there a different point guard you get? Would you play him with Vincent? What happens with Reeves at that point? You know, it, it, I have I'd have questions. Um, as much as I'd be like, I kind of like the idea of bringing Caruso back. He's a really good player. Um, but that said, just it is. I think a lot of fans, especially now that he's playing better, and it's easier to visualize what Russell can bring. And hopefully the team starts playing better. So there's less of that change it, blow it up frustration that just comes with your your team not playing well. I think the idea that anything is an automatic upgrade from Russell, you have to move this guy out because whoever out there is better. It is trickier to improve by trading D'Lo, I think, than people will think um, because there's some scarcity on this roster as well. Well, especially too, just in terms of who... I think is realistically available right. in the first place. Like, yeah, there are guys that would be an upgrade from dealer. You're just not going to get them. 
So in that sense, who cares? That's an excellent point. <laughs> I mean, if I could trade D'Lo for some of the elite point guards in the NBA, I would certainly do it. But um, I don't think that is an option. Uh, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go hang out and uh, talk to over 20,000 uh, subscribers, 22,000 subscribers, um, all of whom are waiting to see if the Lakers can ca capitalize on the current momentum and build it into something bigger. We, of course, will be back to talk about Friday night's game when it is done hopefully celebrating another Lakers win. We'll see everybody tomorrow.